Yes. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 6. If you don't, or we're just don't want to do that you can look in our bulletin uh we have it printed there for you um we have a this is a a long text here but we are continuing our look at uh exodus um wonderful uh true story of god's uh redeeming work um for the people of Israel. This is the, the biggest, most profound, uh, redemptive event in redemptive history um, up until the coming of Jesus and his, and his cross and resurrection. This shapes, um, this is really the, the covenant promises of Genesis are all moving and coming to a head in this moment where God is going to fulfill the promise of giving them a land and giving them, um, making them a people, a nation uh, unto him. And we're seeing that unfold. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this. If you've been here, you, you probably have, that there's a lot of repetition in, in these last four chapters. Um, you know, if it feels like some of the sermons are the same, uh, it's the same, it's, it's a lot of the same thing, you know? And so I'm... I, I, sometimes I go, how can I make this new and fresh and say it in a different way? And that, that's part of my job. But, you know, God keeps saying the same thing over and over again. I guess we need to hear it over and over again, right? And, 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 uh, but it's, it's not completely just the same message. But really, I mean, seeing God for who he is and, he, and, and, and recognizing um, and who Moses is. I mean, if you look at it, we, we, the, the pattern has been God speaks, uh, Moses doubts. Uh, Moses even argues with God sometimes. Moses speaks God's word reluctantly. Uh, expectations are not met. And then Moses doubts again. And then God repeats his word. It's just this kind of, you know, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> it, sounds like, it sounds like my life. Um, God, I believe you. I'm kind of struggling to believe you. God keeps speaking in my life. I see him work, and it doesn't quite work out. And then I doubt again. He keeps speaking. That's why we do this once a week, because this is how we are. Uh, but smack in the middle of this, this, uh, this passage is a genealogy. Um, and uh, someone, uh, I'm going to get Vince to read all these names. Uh, he read them in Sunday school. Tim was delighted with his with his uh, execution of that, and uh, they shared that. So if I struggle, I'm going to look to Vince. Uh, the, the 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 secret to reading Hebrew names is just to say say it with confidence, and everyone goes, "I guess that's how you say it." I guess that's it. And um, no, I do try to you know remember my Hebrew uh, training, which I did have some uh, all those years ago, uh, but. Why, why is this, uh, this passage, as we're about to read it, why does it have this genealogy? Uh, why does it give this the background and even some the future descendants of Moses and Aaron? Uh, well, you know, it has become a kind of a big deal, uh, a trendy thing to, to do this genealogy, Ancestry.com, you know, and, and because why? Why, do we, why has this become a, a thing? Well, in our society, we're, we're, we, we've... We're focused on determining our own identity. You know, that's become the new thing. You can self-identify. You can, you can just figure out who you are. And so that's a lot of pressure. And so one of the ways to do that is to see where you came from. And so that's, I think that's why this is such a big, big deal. Um, and uh, my, my great uncle, um, 
uh, has had sent his you know wanted his DNA profile. He, he was into this, and he's you know he kind of did this on his own. And there's some branches of our family he's he's traced, but he sent it to like some genealogy.com, ancestry.com. I don't know which one. I think he got like the the discount package because he said I sent it off, and it came back, and it said I'm from Western Europe. And he was like, "Thanks, I figured that out without you know." Basically, was like you're white. And he was like, okay, thanks. I didn't know that. Um, um, I have so much clarity now uh, to my life. Thanks for that. Western Europe, that's very general. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of the questions in there was, uh, in our discussion for Faith Conversations, was do you know your background? And does it shape who you are? Do you think, how much does it? You know, I don't know. I, I haven't done, like, I'm, I'm not really, haven't gone way back. I know a few generations back. Like, I have one... One maternal great-grandfather was a county judge, Judge Lonnie Cook. And when I go to Moundville, Alabama, West Alabama, there are some older folks that remember Judge Lonnie. They had been before his court. And he was apparently a pretty harsh judge. Anyway, um, but uh, so I have one, you know, that's a judge. That's pretty cool, right? And then uh, my, my, one of my paternal grandfathers was a trapper, a great-grandfather. He was a trapper. Yeah, I said trapper. Uh, and uh, also in the same county. So, you know, I had one grand- great-grandfather that was a judge and one that was a trapper. I don't know what to do with that, really. I don't know how that's really affected me. Uh, if, y'all, if that helps you know me, let me know. Maybe y'all can go, I see it now. I see it. I don't know. Anyway, but we get this genealogy, and why? Well, again, the reader needs to be reminded who these guys are. And really, these guys need to be reminded who they are um, as they continue this mission with great doubt and great fear. Who, who, who are you? And um, how, how is God going to work? Um, and so that, that's what this is. Who do they think they are? And this, 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 this passage gets to that. So before uh, we, we read it, let, let me pray. Gracious God, thank you for um, speaking uh, to us through your word. And thank you for this, this family tree of Moses and Aaron. Thank you for um, the, the, your grace, your patience we see, your faithfulness we see in this passage. Encourage us in, in who you are and how you use um, people like Moses and Aaron, people like us, um, to bring about your purposes, your kingdom. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So starting with verse 8 of chapter 6, this is overlapping what we looked at last week just to give us context. God says, I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord, Yahweh, said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of this land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. 
These are the heads of their fathers' houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanok, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. These are the clans of Reuben. The sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, and Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. These are the clans of Simeon. These are the names of the sons of Levi according to their generations, Gershon, Kohath, and Maari. The years of the life of Levi being 137 years. The sons of Gershon, uh, Libni, and Shimei, and by the clans. The sons of Kohath, Amram, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel. The, the years of the life of Kohath being 133 years. The sons of Merari, Malai, and Mushai. These are the clans of the Levites according to their generations. Amram took as his wife Jochebed, his father's sister, and she bore him Aaron and Moses, the years of the life of Amram being 137 years. The sons of Izhar, Korah, Nepheg, and Zikri. The sons of Uziel, Mishael, Elzaphan, and Sithri. Aaron took as his wife Elisheba, the daughter of Amminadab and the sister of Nashon, and she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. The sons of Korah, Asir, Elkanah, and Abiasaph. These are the clans of the Korahites. Eleazar, Aaron's son, took as his wife one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Phinehas. These are the heads of their father's houses of the Levites by their clans. These are Aaron and Moses, to whom the Lord said, Bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their host. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt. This Moses and this Aaron. On the day which the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. And your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you. Your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of this land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my host, my people, of the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. That, that one got me. Anyway, um, you know, I've, I said this last week. There's, there's sections where, you know, you struggle as a pastor. Like, what do I do with all this genealogy? Where are the points? Where's the application? There are some. There are some. We'll get there. Um, the, the question is, who, who do these guys think they are? And I 
think by the end of this passage, you see, you see the doubt. Let's just big picture. You see the doubt diminish between six nine or six ten and seven verse six. And 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 there's this there's this process, there's this turn for Moses and Aaron where they finally, I think, get it. Okay? They get that they are who they are, both good and bad. And they get what they're called to do, and they begin to trust in a new way. But how, did, how does that come about? Well, they, they have to realize, they realize three things about themselves. And, and three true things. First, they realize that they're sinful and unworthy. That's the first point. Second, they are also children of Israel. And then thirdly, they are the messengers of Yahweh. And they need to see themselves in, the, in those ways. They need to see that clearly. And that's who they are. Unworthy sinners and children of Israel and messengers of the one true God. So let's look at these three things of who they are. First, they're sinful and unworthy. He starts with this this. You know, again, he, he speaks God's word. That it doesn't go well. Pharaoh increases the, the burdens of Israelites. They are crushed and burdened in spirit. They're broken. And they now, these who responded in such faith to God sees us, God hears us, God is with us. Now that their burdens are increased and they're having to keep the, the quota of bricks, even though they have to go get their own straw, they are now burdened and they are just downcast. And, and Moses says, why, God, do you want me to keep up this mission? Why do you continue to ask me to do this? He says, I am a man of uncircumcised lips. Now, we just talked about circumcision last week. That's a weird visual. That's weird. Anyway, so like, what, is, what does he mean by that? Well, it's, it's metaphorical. And it's, throughout the scriptures we see talking about uncircumcised being like profane or outside or unholy, outside of God's people. Again, if you're not circumcised, you're what? Cut off. You're an outsider. And he's saying, my lips, my ability to speak, um, there is no power. There is no righteousness in it. There is... There is um, there is, I am, I, am, I am sinful and unworthy to speak uh, your words. And, and note this. Note this. God doesn't correct him. <laughs> Did you get that? You know? Do you ever do that? Do you ever like, you know, need a pick-me-up? So you go, oh, I'm just really bad at cooking. Because you, you really want somebody to go, oh, no, no, you're really good. You ever done that? You're like looking for a compliment, fishing for a compliment. Um, you probably don't mean to, but I mean, we do it, you know. Oh yeah, this is my hair today. It's probably not good, is it? Oh no, your hair looks great. You know, you do that. And uh, I, I don't think Moses was fishing for a compliment, but you know, God doesn't go, no man, you're good. You got this. God doesn't do that. At no point does he correct him. You are a man of uncircumcised lips. You are unworthy. This situation, Moses, is beyond you. And I, I love that. You know, this, there's no correction. It's just, yeah. So what does he say? He doesn't say, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong. He goes, no, go say it. I'm going to do it. 
You, you go say the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. There's no correction. It's just a reorienting. This is not about you and your qualifications. You remember, it's, it's a very similar statement that Isaiah says. You know, who will go speak on my behalf? You know, and Isaiah goes, here I am, Lord, send me. But I am a man of unclean lips. And God doesn't go, no, you're great, man, you got it. <laughs> he takes a coal, this is the vision, a coal from the altar where atonement is made and he touches his lips with it. You know what he's doing there? He's not saying, yeah, Isaiah, you're great. You got this. He says, no, you need atonement because you're right. You're absolutely right. And Moses hits at not a, I don't want to do it. I don't think. He, 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 it's not about, you've got it wrong, God. He's like, I'm wrong. And God's like, yeah, but I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to use you knuckleheads. As my father in law likes to talk, he uses that term. I'm going to use these knuckleheads to do something amazing. These sinful, unworthy, incapable men, he's going to do something amazing. He is determined to accomplish his purposes using people like this. Who do they think they are? I mean, I'm convinced Moses finally gets it. I am a man of uncircumcised lips. I am unworthy. I am sinful. And instead of saying, God says, no, no, you're wrong. Or, yeah, but, but it's really, and, all that's true, and I'm still going to do this thing. And you're still going to be my messenger. But yes, they are sinful and unworthy. The next thing they see is that they are, because of this genealogy that's been inserted, they are children of Israel. And it's almost like a time out in the text, isn't it? They say, God says, I'm going to, I'm going to, here's what I want to do. He gives them his word. I'm unworthy. And then it says, here, let me tell you who these guys are. Not just, you've heard his birth story. You've heard their, you know, their immediate family. You've heard their kind of, you know, their, but where do they come from? And where is God going with this family? Let me, let me tell you who they are just and give us some 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 um, some uh, background uh, of who these guys are and I, I love that you know when he says they're children of Israel and we see this 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 genealogy it's it's an honest genealogy you know if some of you have done the research you know so you've done who are your who are you connected to you know who do you go and try to find connections with famous people right like heroes and I'm a descendant of George Washington. I'm a descendant of uh, Martin Luther King. I'm a descendant of, uh, you know, somebody that's big and famous. You don't go look and go, you know, there's this uh, guy on death row. He was my great, great, great granddaddy. Um, I just want you all to know that. You, you know, we don't, we don't do that. You know, when we, when we, if we ever going to show someone our genealogy, we're going to show the, the famous people, the, fam- you know, the, the powerful people, the mighty people. That's, that's what we want to be connected to. But in this genealogy, yes, it's the line of God's covenant people, but there's also some sin in here. There's failure in here. Note that 
He starts with uh, Reuben. He wants to show, you know, this is about Moses and Aaron primarily, but he starts with showing Levi's not even the firstborn. Okay? Levi's not the, you know, he's not the one that's supposed to really be in charge and have this, you know, he's, he's the third, third kid. Um, they make that clear. And but also throw in this, this uh, you know, when you see Reuben's, one of his kids is what? The, the, the son of a Canaanite woman. Reuben messed up. Like even going even in Genesis, before we have the law given, we know they're not supposed to intermarry and marry those who are outside of God's not just God's ethnic people, but who are not believers, do not worship the true God. So here we have this. We start out with uh, Shaul being the son of a Canaanite woman. That's not good, but it's true. It happened, and then we get to. Uh, Moses' actual family, his, his, his nuclear family, his mom and dad, and his dad uh, married um, his father's sister. Now, there's been nothing, there's been no prohibition of that yet, but when we get just in a little bit in the story, we're going to see that in Leviticus, he's going to forbid that kind of marrying, that, that someone that close in your family tree. That's kind of strange, isn't it? Um, so, so Moses and Aaron are, are they're the grandsons of Levi and the great-grandsons? It's weird. Anyway, um, you know, some of you are like, you know, grown up in deep south. Like, What's wrong with that? Hey, I don't know. Anyway, but... It's, 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 it's not good. Um... And then he, he gives the line of not just Amram, but he gives the line of his brothers. And why that? I think it's to highlight the lineage of Korah. And so he's looking back, he's also looking forward. Again, you know, Moses is writing this knowing, the, knowing how this goes. Korah, uh, Moses' first cousin, leads a rebellion against him. That's in number 16. It's bad when your first cousin leads a rebellion against you. Has that ever happened to you? So that would be hurtful. And then he mentions Mishael and, and Elzaphan. I got those names right. Why are they mentioned? Well, their claim to fame is they're the ones that had to drag out the bodies of Nadab and Abihu when they offered un, unauthorized fire to the Lord. They're the ones that had to drag the, the, the bodies of the you know the next in line to be high priest out outside the, the tabernacle. That's their claim to fame. You know, it, it's an honest genealogy. There's sin and there's weakness, unworthiness throughout. Yet these are God's people, <laughs> and God has chosen to 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 pour out His love and to keep His promise to them. But it also records good things. <laughs> it's not all bad. But they don't leave the bad out. He records the, the clans of the Levites. That here are the, 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 the groups that will end up caring for the, and, and preserving the tabernacle as they wander in the wilderness. Uh, the descendants of Gershon will care for the, the curtains of the temple and the, and the tapestries and, 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 and the screens for the doorways. And they'll be in charge of that. The, the 
Kohathites will, will be in charge of, of guarding the furniture of the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant. You know, the instructed how to do that. It's, it's these, these, this clan that will take care of the, the, the table for the showbread and the altars of sacrifice and incense and, and, and preserve those things and carry them. And this is the clan that Moses and Aaron belong to, the, the, the line of Kohath. And then the Merari, they'll, they'll oversee and, and keep and transport the frames and pillars and, and sockets of the tabernacle. So you have this a people devoted to the Lord that will care for his tabernacle. That's recorded. That's good. Also, we see Aaron's wife. She this is this is kind of a, a subtle one, but if you're into genealogies, you'll you'll appreciate it. Who is who is she related to? She's the daughter of Amenadab and the sister of Nashon. These are two ancestors of King David. And so we have this high priestly line has you know some blood of Judah in it, a kingly line as well. Interesting. A little foreshadowing, I think, of this priest and king role coming together in Christ. And, and, and then you also have uh, the sons of Korah. Korah. Korah, not a good guy, right? But his sons were not wiped out. His sons went on to do what? They were guards of the tabernacle and they wrote psalms. And one of the psalms was our call to worship. The sons of Korah. And then finally you have, we end on the high, probably the highest note, this man Phineas. He was the son of Eleazar, the high priest. He was faithful to God in, in Numbers 25 when, when people um, were, were worshipping Baal and taking Midianite wives. He defended the faith and, and was strong. He, he became a leader of the Israelite armies in Numbers 31. He went on to enter the promised land. He was one of the few that lived that long and preserved and saw the promised land. And he becomes the high priest. And you see that in Chronicles 9.20. So you see the bad, but you see the good. You see that, yeah, there, there's, there are people that you probably want to hide in your family tree. And there are people you want to go, yeah, you see? George Washington, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> or... For this, it's pointing ahead. Look what God's going to do through His people. Look at His, not only how He overcomes the sin there, but how He brings uh, blessing and moves His redemptive purposes forward through this family, through this line. This is who Aaron and Moses are. They are pieces. They are this... People in the line of progression of God fulfilling His purpose. And that's the ultimate big picture of why He gives this genealogy. Is to give us, to trace the lineage of the promised seed. The lineage of God's promised, His promise to His people. And this is the identical genealogy that's given in Genesis 46, 8 through 10. He's keeping his covenant promise. He's the covenant keeping God. He is Yahweh, the great am, the great I am, that I am who I am. I will do this even through people like this. They are children of Israel, God's covenant people. They are sinful and unworthy. And that, that, that lineage, that ancestry, doesn't make them better than anyone else. They're just part of the people that God has chosen to bless and keep and move His redemptive plan forward.
And finally, what they come to see, the third thing is they are messengers of Yahweh. You see, it, it, it pauses. It's, they, they have doubts. They're frustrated. Who am I to do this? And then they reiterate it. It's the same. It's the, he repeats it. It's like we, we kind of time out. Here's the, here's the genealogy. It's this Abraham. It's this Moses. It's this Aaron. These are the guys. And it's kind of like, really them? You know, let's see that in, in 26 and uh, 27. These are Aaron and Moses whom the Lord said, Bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their host. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt. This Moses and this Aaron. And, and you might read it and go, Really them? This, they, that's, that's not that impressive. These are the real guys. And he really were called, these, these sinful, uh, broken, uh, unworthy guys were called to do this amazing thing. And then God meets them in their doubt, meets them in their, and he picks up where he left off, Moses doubting, and then what does God say? See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. That's, that's Wow. What does Moses need to hear that, need to see there? I, what does that mean? That Moses is divine? No. It means that you're worried about this self-proclaimed false God. But when you go with him with my word, Moses, when you go and you, and you speak to Aaron and Aaron gives my word, you are like God to him. Do not be intimidated. You are not powerful in yourself. You do not have the strength to do this. But you go with my word, which has power and all authority. You, when you come with the word of God, he said, you are like God. You'll be like God to Pharaoh. God knows the results too. He knows Israel will be brought out by God. Pharaoh will be hardened. Egypt will see God's judgments. They will know that Yahweh is the true God. His word will be accomplished. And then we come to this, this shift where I think we see them finally get it. Yeah, I'm from a broken family, a broken line, a, a line of broken people. I myself am sinful and unworthy. But God's word is powerful. God will do this. And I am his messenger. And it says in verse 6 that Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as God commanded them. And throughout, all the way to up to the Red Sea, past the Red Sea, we see that they, they, they execute exactly perfectly what God has told them to say and to do. God has made you and me His messengers too. If you are in Christ, you are part of this lineage. Your name is written in the book of life. And you know, I don't know exactly, but maybe it's, maybe it's written like this, like a family tree. 
And maybe not blood related relations, but just this person witnessed to this person who witnessed to this person who witnessed to this person who, you know, a spiritual family tree. But that your name's written and you're, you're, you're secure, you're his. Yeah, you're broken and yeah, you're unworthy. And yes, this is all beyond you. But we, like Moses and Aaron, are called to proclaim the word of God. This isn't just the job of the pastor, the preacher, the elder, the deacon. It's all of us. He's given us a mission. He's given us His Word. And, and just like Moses, yeah, it's true. We need, to, we need to be humbled by who we are in our own strength. We need to be encouraged that we are children of promise, part of this family, part of the, the true Israel. Because we have been engrafted into His people through Christ. You are a messenger like Moses. Well, not like him on that scale. But in some ways, better. You know, Jesus says, the greatest of the prophets. Who did he call the greatest of the prophets? Wasn't Moses. You'd think he'd be up there, right? Wasn't Elijah. It was John the Baptist. Because he gets to pave the way for Christ. And, and, and we get that word of truth, the gospel truth of Jesus Christ. We, get, we know it, it's been given to us, and we believe it and we proclaim it. Moses and Aaron finally believe it, and now they proclaim it with confidence. Not in themselves, but in God. And I encourage you to do that as well. You've been given this mission we see in Matthew 28, Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. You know, he doesn't say, To you. <laughs> I have all authority. I have all the power. Therefore, you go, what? And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end. What's the confidence? What's our confidence in carrying out this this ministry of reconciliation given to us? It's not, you have all authority and power. I have it. And I will be with you to the end. I'm convinced that's where Moses and Aaron are. You know, maybe, they, I don't know, I'm just imagining them looking at each other at 80 and 83 going, you know what, it's not about us. We are not up to this. But I, I think, I think God, I, God's going to do this. God has the power. And, and now knowing that all will not respond in faith, I, they also realize that that's part of it too. That God, again, he emphasizes that Pharaoh and much of Egypt will be hardened to it. The good news of God and his deliverance will not be believed by all. But you know what? This isn't something that just, God says, this isn't just an Old Testament concept. This is Jesus. And Paul said the same thing. Jesus in Matthew 13 and John 12 and Paul in Acts 28 quote, Isaiah 6, 9-10. through 10. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. He's saying, They're not going to believe you. And he's talking about the people of Israel. Ethnic Israel. And Jesus says, that's how ministry is. And Paul says, that's how it is. Paul, and we, we preached to this uh, a while ago in 2 Corinthians. He says, even though our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. 
In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let the light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasures in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs not to God, but belongs to God and not to us. The treasure is precious, it's powerful, and it's giving to weak, sinful people like us. But even as we proclaim it, not all will believe. To some it will be veiled. And so Moses and Aaron are not worried about, am I good enough? Or what are the results going to be? They're trusting that God's word will go out and accomplish its purpose. Either salvation or judgment. One of my professors who, who's written a, a great commentary on this, on this um, book of the Bible, he relates a story. Um, he says, When I was in Tunisia, several years ago, I met a missionary who had yet to see a convert in 14 years of laboring for Christ. He still proclaimed the gospel diligently. The missionary explained that he was called to preach God's words with no guarantee of people coming to Christ. He says God will use his word how and when he sees fit. Our job is to obey by preaching his word. And that's the freedom that Moses and Aaron finally come to. Who do they think they are? Broken, sinful people, unworthy yet recipients of God's powerful word, confidence that God is going to work. And all they have to do is go and proclaim it. That's what he's called us to do. And there's no rejoicing in people not believing. There's no rejo- there, what, Again, there's no joy in that. When, when Paul talks about that in Romans 9, he goes, Oh, if I could be a curse and my people would believe, if I could switch places. He has a heart for wanting people to believe. But you know what? That's not up to us. So if you're sitting here right now going, I can't be an evangelist, I can't talk about the gospel because I'm unworthy. Well, of course you are. If you're doing it because I've got a, I've got a sordid history and a, a weird family tree and, 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 and maybe you're worried about the past or the future. Like, of course you do. <laughs> but God has decided to love you and he's, He has given you, you and me, share in this ministry of reconciliation and his word will go out and accomplish its purpose do you trust him can you rest in him can you can we operate in this freedom that Moses and Aaron have found here at the end of this at the end of their their struggle again if you're if you're like them right now you're in the the back and forth that's okay my prayer is that we would step into and believe that God can use you and me to bring about his kingdom his purposes even us he can do that let's pray gracious god we thank you for your word we thank you that you um that we through reading your word know who we are and uh it's an honest assessment and yet there's great great comfort not in our abilities and our and who we are, but in who you are and who you're making us to be and in the great gospel that you've given us.
So Lord, help us to, to remember that and help us in this meal that we're about to partake. We pray that you would set apart these common elements for an uncommon use and that as we partake together, we'd be reminded, yes, of who we are, but who you are and what you're making us to be. And that the ultimate act of redemption, of deliverance, has happened. And we are secure if we look to you, Lord Jesus. Um, Drive that home in your word and through this meal. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.